Welcome to the Vespers Project. My name is Ben Pruitt, your host for this podcast, and this is our third episode for season two. If this is your first time joining us, thank you so much for your patronage. You picked a really good episode to start with. There's a lot of effort and energy and time that goes into each episode, and I really couldn't make it happen without your support and knowing that you were listening. So thank you. And if you have the capacity and you want to support us further, you can do so by finding us on Patreon at the Arc of E, and the Arc of E kindly hosts this podcast and makes all of this possible. Today, we are lucky to hear from Grace Tate, honor leader in 2019 at Blue Ridge Leader School, and one that I am truly lucky to call my friend. I am in constant awe of her wisdom and her grace, <laughs> no pun intended, and I really enjoyed our conversation about her Vespers. Before you hear that conversation, though, I want to get a fresh listen of the Vespers that she wrote for us. So let's take a moment as we transition to her work of art to reflect on what respect means to each of us. Thank you for listening. I guess the pun was kind of intended. Take a look around you. What do you see? When I look around me, I see some of the most beautiful people that I've ever met. I see people who I know are changing the world with their leadership. Now close your eyes and imagine that you're looking at yourself. What do you see when you look at yourself? Do you see how beautiful you are? Or do you point out all the little things that you don't like about yourself? It often feels easier to focus only on our flaws rather than all the glorious qualities that make us who we are. How we view ourselves and the language we use in our own heads is reflected in how we view and treat others. I won't wear makeup on Thursday. I'm sick of covering up. I'm tired of feeling so broken. I'm tired of falling in love. Sometimes I'm shy and I'm anxious Sometimes I'm down on Mondays Sometimes I try to embrace all my insecurities So I won't wear makeup on Thursday Cause who I am is enough And there are many things that I could change so slightly But why would I succumb to something so unlike me? I was always taught to just be myself don't change for anyone i want to laugh i want to cry don't want these tears inside my 
How to Treat Others at the YMCA. Some of the most important lessons I learned on the playground. Love one another. Always tell the truth. Take responsibility for your actions. Have faith in those around you. Treat everyone with respect. I'm not a stranger to the dark Hide away, they say Cause we don't want your broken parts Have you ever found yourself in the dark? Lost in a crowd of people Not knowing where you belong Or how you can make a difference? I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars Run away, they say No one will love you as you are There have been times in my life where I felt pressure to conform to what everyone else was doing To pretend to be someone that I'm not Just to get people to like me I've spent way too much time always saying yes to people because I thought that was the key to making friends. What can I do to make them want me? Like many others, 
I grew up believing that my value was based on my achievements rather than my heart. Believing that the key to fulfillment is beauty and wondering if I would ever be beautiful enough to be loved. What I didn't understand was that the scars that I was trying so hard to hide from the world were actually what made me unique and special. I was caught up in the idea of being perfect, feeling like that was the only way to earn people's approval and love. I won't let them break me down to dust. I know that there's a place for us. For we are glorious. It wasn't until I found myself surrounded by people who accepted me for who I am that things finally started to change. The people on this mountain have helped me see that beauty is within me and it isn't dependent on what I look like. I'm learning to respect myself. When the sharpest words wanna cut me down I'm gonna send a flood, gonna drown them out I am brave, I am bruised, I am who I'm meant to be this is me, look out cause here I come And I'm marching on to the beat I drum I'm not scared to be seen, I make no apologies This is me Self-respect It forms the foundation for how we treat others how we love others. Self-respect is learning that you will have successes and failures in life, but that's what makes us human. Self-respect is knowing that just because some people don't like you, that doesn't make you any less deserving of love. Self-respect is saying no to conformity and allowing yourself to be genuine and real. Every one of us on this mountain has a unique perspective and talents that give us the ability to make positive change in this world. The leader who knows their self-worth is one who will transform this world with their capacity for love and fearless servitude. They will inspire a generation who will see each other as brothers and sisters, as equals. You are that leader. You are made to reap and radiate love that is deeper than the ocean and taller than the mountains. When you respect yourself, you accept that you are not perfect but you are beautiful in your own way. When you respect yourself, 
you allow others to see you for who you truly are. Dear God, in this society that constantly pushes us down with comparison and self-doubt, help us lift up the things that make each of us unique. Give us the strength to accept ourselves just the way we are. Thank you for blessing us with these bodies that let us climb this mountain every day, that let us lead every day. There is beauty and value within our hearts that when set free makes us stronger and more capable than we ever thought possible. Help us live each day knowing that no matter what happens today, we are lovable and valuable and beautiful. Amen. Look out, cause here I come And I'm marching on to the beat I drum I'm not scared to be seen I make no apologies This is me Oh my goodness, all I want to do is hear Grace sing more. This is all I wanted. Y'all, she is here with us. We're so excited to get to interview her about her Vespers. <laughs> Grace, how are you today? Ben, I'm good. How are you? You know, I'm actually really good. I've had a pretty easy day today, and I now get to spend it with you, which makes it that much better. <laughs> and so I really want to talk about your Vespers. And so tell me about just the whole process from beginning to end in the sense of like what was the experience like so I guess I'll start with the fact that ever since I've been a part of leaders I've been itching to write Vespers just because they've always been something a time that I really cherished and something that I thought was so powerful and cool but I had no idea how hard it would actually be to write one so when I learned that my word um, for Blue Ridge was respect, I was really excited to get going on writing, but I also knew that uh, me as a writer and a thinker, I can't like sit down and force myself to write something, at least not right away, because it usually doesn't go anywhere and I just get frustrated. So over the course of, I don't know, six months or so, I would sit down whenever I <clears throat> was in the right headspace to think about respect or my life and just write down thoughts and ideas. Sometimes I would look up quotes and things like that. And I wrote a Vespers that is not structured at all like the one that I 
you all just heard, and I didn't like it at all. <laughs> uh, it was really forced and didn't really come from the heart or personal experience. It kind of just came from me trying to profess some wisdom that I don't really think I have onto other people. But I eventually kind of scrapped most of what I had before and just kept some of the same ideas and came up with what I have now. Um. <laughs> All right. So I'm really interested because you said it required that you be in a certain headspace. Mm-hmm. So can you describe what that headspace is like for you? Yeah. So the headspace that I'm talking about is like reflecting and also trying to get to a place of growth and thinking about how I can make a situation or make myself better. And I find myself, usually I find myself in those spaces when I'm doing something associated with Leaders Club, like listening to a Vespers or a prayer or just hanging out with people who make me better and help me think about life and what I can be doing differently. But it's not something that I can really force myself to get in. Although I'd say music helps a lot. If I start listening to the right songs Interesting. Uh, or talking to the right person, I can usually get myself to a point where I'm thinking about the bigger picture, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's interesting because for me, what came up for me while uh, you were talking was this idea that uh, when I am in mid-crisis, uh, for instance, if I'm in a respect crisis and I am not honoring my boundaries and I'm not respecting myself, that's not a good headspace. And I, on the other hand, if I am completely out of it, I'm, that's also not a great headspace. Yeah. If I'm completely not even thinking about it, that's... so. There's this fine line of I, I need to be uh, experiencing it, but I need to also be in a place where I um, am not so entrenched that I am outside of my boundaries. Yeah, I would say it's a similar thing for me. Um, when I'm outside of it, I'm probably not thinking about the hardships or whatever I'm trying to improve upon. And when I'm in the middle of it, my emotions definitely just run wild and I usually act more instinctively and I'm not thinking about what I'm doing and just going with whatever emotion feels most strong at that time. Not really thinking, uh, not in my right headspace. Yeah. Cool. I want to go straight to the beginning of your Vespers Mm -hmm. and kind of go hopefully chronologically, but we'll see where the conversation takes us. Right. So you, there's this thread of beauty throughout your entire Vespers. Mm -hmm. So as you were writing this, tell me about what was your concept of beauty and why did you choose to take that route? Yeah. So I think beauty is a concept that's very prevalent in a lot of our lives and something that people think about and maybe don't realize they're thinking about all the time. Um, but it's something that a lot of people value above so many other things is how beautiful other people are or how beautiful they are um, on the outside, like looks, things like that. Um, that's definitely something that I've struggled with and I've seen people around me struggling with. But I guess, especially the beginning of my Vespers, I'm contrasting that idea of beauty with, I guess, the cliche internal beauty that we talk about. But by that, I mean people's hearts or their character traits and the things that they put out into the world that are positive and bring light and that kind of beauty that's less tangible. And so at the beginning, when I talk about seeing some of the most beautiful people sitting around me, I mean it in that Blue Ridge 
brings out that inner beauty for a lot of people that we may struggle to see in ourselves or express to other people in our daily lives. But sitting on the mountain or walking around, I see people being themselves and letting those traits and qualities shine out. And I think that's the beauty that I was talking about then. I think it's interesting because you open up with look around you. And I think that no matter where you're listening to this, since this is now available to listen outside of the mountain, right? No matter where you are, you can choose to take that as like, oh, no, this was just meant to be on the mountain. Or you could say, wow, look at the people around me. There is beauty where I am right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's, especially if you're listening with people and like take a minute to appreciate the people that are around you and the beauty that you see in them. And if you don't, take a minute to think about how you could, right? Yeah. So I think that's just a really cool message that is that works on and off the mountain. I think it's important, and I, I struggled a long time with figuring out how to open up this Vespers and take a look around you seemed pretty cheesy, but also I think there's value in kind of like stop, like look around you, take a moment, where are you, what are you doing, and then we can kind of delve into the deeper things because... First, we just need to slow it down. That kind of well, thing. honestly, it's a practice of mindfulness, right? Mm-hmm. In order to really be present and to really reflect, you have to be mindful and you have to be aware of what's going on. Yeah. Right. If you are able to sit in the moment rather than thinking about, you know, what's oh that dinner was really good, and really like step into this moment and be grateful for it. Yeah. Then you're going to be way more able to hear the message that's coming. Yeah. I also think it was something for me that I wanted to make sure I started with everybody else who was there and other people in my life or when I was sitting listening to my own Vespers and acknowledging them and the fact that it's not just about me and then going into my experiences and then ending with you talking to someone or to the people who are listening. That kind of so thing. outward lens, inward lens, outward lens. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So I think it's interesting because you, you do take it inward, right? And I kind of want to go there right now because you talk about how, like, look around you, look around you. And I'm really more interested in your inner voice right now of, like, what compelled you to say, look around you, look at all these beautiful people. And the reason I ask is because what's your gut instinct when you're talking to yourself? Because you you talk about that, too. You're talking about how you treat yourselves and how you um, talk to yourself is important, right? It's uh, the foundation of how we treat others. And I'm interested in what your inner voice sounds like from an honest, like what is honestly, what does that inner voice sound like for you? Yeah, I think for me, I'd like to think that I easily see the beauty in other people and that I look, try to look at the positive things about someone or the, the physical traits that I like about someone and the um, character traits. And I, I feel like I do that a lot, but I don't have that same tone or perspective when I look at myself so I guess it very much reflects the way I kind of go about my life in that I'll look and see all these things that I love about someone else and then immediately turn and criticize myself about those same things and I kind of talk about at the end but I, I think our society and just the things that I choose to do in my life it's really easy to compare yourself to others and look and see all the beautiful things and then immediately feel bad about yourself after looking at somebody else who you like and you think is beautiful and so that's kind of where that came from like look around you i see some of the most beautiful people that i've ever seen 
Now, looking at myself, I usually do point out um, the little things that I don't like about myself. So that part, even though I wasn't using first person, was definitely a reflection of how I usually think about people and about myself. I heard a really cool quote that I want to share. So Emily Rhodes, one of our future honor leaders, so Mm -hmm. 2020, uh, led a Vespers for her why at one of her rallies. And in her Vespers, she talked about, uh, she said, think about all the things that you love. Start naming them. Uh, And I'm paraphrasing. But she ends with saying, how long would it take for you to name yourself? And I'm curious because this seems directly applicable to what we're talking about. How long would it take for you to name yourself is a message saying that if we don't value us, if you're continually putting others before yourself, then eventually you're going to run out of steam, right? And your bucket's going to be empty. And you won't be able to love other people because your bucket's empty. Yeah. Um, How does that feel like for you in terms of a comparison with this kind of concept around self-respect? Yeah, I mean, I think love and respect and acceptance are three words that I think are tied very closely together. And I think... I haven't really figured out um, the love that I have for myself, although I'm working on that. But it definitely takes me a long time to name things about myself that I love. So in that case, Emily's quote definitely speaks to me. And I understand where she's coming from and where a lot of other people are coming from when it takes them a long time to name themselves. I think respect is... I kind of talked about this, but respect is the foundation of loving ourselves. So... First, learning to respect yourself will lead you to be able to fully love yourself, I think. And I'm still working on the respect part of it. I definitely haven't fully achieved that. I don't know if I ever will fully achieve it. But I think just in my self-assessment and growth, I haven't really gotten to the point of trying to love myself because I'm first learning to respect and accept the strengths and weaknesses and just everything that makes me who I am, that kind of thing. Yeah. So you just made me think of something because you said love, respect, and acceptance are all words that you kind of tie together. And mm-hmm. so I want to I have, I want to push back a little bit and mm-hmm. see if I can, because it reminds me of this. Have you heard of what is known as the Riddle Scale or the Riddle Homophobia Scale? I don't think I have. So Dorothy Riddle is a psychologist, and she created this, I think, in the 80s. I might be wrong. But uh, there are eight different points on this scale in terms of measuring homophobia. And the first four are considered homophobic traits, and the next, the last four are considered positive traits that are affirming of gay lifestyle, LBGTQ plus community, mm-hmm. right? And so the first four, repulsion is level one. So you are just repulsed by the idea the next one is pity. You pity them. It comes across as like homo- uh, chauvinism, it comes across, etc. The next one is tolerance. I will tolerate it. I don't approve of it, but I will tolerate it. Mm-hmm. And then the f- fourth one, which is considered homophobic, is acceptance. Mm-hmm. Because it still implies that there is something to accept. And I wonder how I feel about that with respect. Because like it, the fact that there can be something about our bodies and something about us, about who we are as people that is inherent to us, that we feel like we have to accept in order for it to be okay. Yeah. And then the next four and helps me kind of understand the difference because it's support is next, then it's admiration, appreciation, and then nurturance. 
right? Not, I'm not, I'm not going to accept this. I'm going to support it. I'm going to admire this difference in me. I'm going to appreciate it. I'm going to nurture this difference within myself. Yeah. So I, I think that this applies to more than just this, like the way that it was created for homophobia scale, right? I think mm-hmm. it also applies towards a lot of things that we need to either, ex- we feel like we need to accept or not, right? Yeah. Um, so tell me about what are your, how do you reflect on that? I guess my initial thoughts are that I personally, I'm learning to accept the things about myself that I'm good at, excuse me, versus not good at, or that I like or don't like. And potentially that's from a place of that I haven't before. And now I'm trying to accept them to get to a place of supporting them, I guess. And so maybe we have to first accept those things if we're starting from an even lower place on the scale or whatever. Because I think for a long time I've detested the things about myself that I didn't like. Been repulsed by it. Yeah, or I wasn't good. Exactly. And so now I'm learning to accept them in myself and others so that I can like love them eventually. And then move towards that nurturing, yeah, right? Exactly. Um, I'm, yeah, I've never heard of that. I didn't really think about it that way before. <laughs> so I found this because I lead a class called Safe Zone, which is LGBTQ plus inclusion. I think um, I took that class. <laughs> you did, this was not in that class when oh, I led it for yeah. you. So um, that's why I asked. So yeah, this is something that I stumbled upon that has been a really useful tool in having that conversation. Yeah. And so I, I appreciate that you said, well, I have to get to this before I can move to the next step, yeah. right? And I think that's exactly what it is. We have to first accept before we can support, and then we have to be able to support before we can admire, and then et cetera. But knowing where we are will help us move forward. I think it's a process and that I, along with other people, get frustrated when trying to improve things in our lives because we want them to just immediately get to the end goal where we want to be. So I want to love myself. I want to look in the mirror and feel happy and see things about myself that I think are beautiful. But right now, that's not where I am. So I don't think it's fair to just expect that overnight or after one good headspace that I'm going to get there, you know? So just admitting that I'm a work in progress and that each little step towards where I want to be with myself and with others is a positive thing is good. It's good to, to see those baby steps kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we had several uh, from our Instagram. If you don't follow us already, it's uh, the Vespers Project on Instagram. Uh, we had several people suggest questions that they wanted to hear from you. And mm-hmm. so one of them is you talk about uh, respecting others and respecting yourself and you have to respect yourself really before you can respect others. And we've kind of been talking about this. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, why can't you respect others before you can respect yourself? Yeah, I think that's a difficult question. It's something that we've kind of heard a lot. Like you have to love yourself before you can love others. You have to respect yourself before you can respect others. And when I was writing my Vespers, I was thinking like, but why? You know, um, because it's a hard thing to put into words. But I guess in a way, okay, I think... You can have a level of respect for others without having that same level of respect for yourself, but I don't think you can fully have respect for others until you respect yourself. Yeah. And I think, I think to me, relationships and the way I approach them comes from a point of trying to understand people 
at least as much as I can. And in that sense, how can we respect others who we will never fully understand until we can learn to respect ourselves who we understand more than anybody else, you know? So I understand my background and where I'm coming from and what has made me who I am today. And I'm still struggling to respect my actions and that kind of thing. So how can I take somebody else who I have no idea for the most part, what has happened in their lives to make them act the way they do today? How can I respect what they're doing if I don't understand them? Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So another question, which is I think a really good follow-up to this is uh, from k.e.clark. Uh, so Katie. yeah, has has there been any situations in your life that have taught you this? Like, what have your, been your personal experiences that have taught you these things? Yeah, I guess a cop out answer would just be like my whole life has led me <laughs> to the feelings that I have now. But I think for a long time I was just dissatisfied with myself, and I would get sad or get get mad when other people would judge me and that kind of thing. I have known for a long time that I had low self-esteem or low self-confidence because I would criticize myself a lot or not have confidence in myself to do something or or finish something or, or do well on, on a test or something like that. But I didn't really understand the idea of respecting myself. I hadn't really thought about it, but I think that it's different than than self-esteem or self-confidence. I guess I, I read a quote, I wish I had it written down, but it was something about how self-respect and self-esteem are different and having a baseline level of self-respect allows you to still love yourself and be happy through moments of higher confidence and lower confidence because in certain skills and activities in our lives, we feel good about our ability to do them and in others we don't and having respect for the fact that we're always trying our best is what allows us to not beat ourselves up when we're not as good at something you know like I wish I were better at skiing but I understand that I haven't done it very often so I kind of respect that there's a reason why I'm not as good at that as I'd like to be whereas somebody else who's not looking at it through a lens of respect would be like I want to be good at skiing. Why am I not good? Like, what can I do? Or I guess not what can I do differently, but I don't know. I think I get what you're saying, though, because I I like the delineation between this idea of self-esteem or confidence or um, that versus self-respect. Because I think that one gives you the capacity to fail and one, when you fail, makes it so that you sink even further. Um, And so I think that's really interesting. I Um, guess to get back to the original question, because I kind of veered off from it, I've thought about confidence for a long time, but honestly, when I was given or when I chose the word respect for my Vespers was when I started to think about things through that lens of respect. And over the last year, I've found myself learning a lot about what respecting myself or others really is. And so I don't think there's been any um, specific experiences, but it's kind of just when I'm feeling down or when I'm feeling frustrated, what lens am I looking through? And um, through writing this Vespers, it started to become through lens of respect. But yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting because you've kind of spoken to this next question. So from Official Thick Spidey, 
<laughs> right? Uh, so the question was, did your Vespers come from a place of hardships? Like, did you deal with these self-respect issues? And I think what you've been saying is that yes, yeah. right? Um, is that why you wanted to choose respect as your word or did respect just happen to be your word and you got stuck with it? Yeah, so the honor leaders choose which word we want to do. And honestly, very quickly in the conversation, I was like, hey guys, could I do respect? Because I knew that I wanted to do something that had was had relevance in my life. Yeah. And in the moment, I was like, well, I'm struggling with loving myself, probably respecting myself, so I'm going to do this. Hopefully, I can find a way to tie in my struggles with it to something that other people can relate to and hopefully get something out of. But I would say it definitely comes from, I don't know, quote, hardships, just a place of dissatisfaction (laughs) with myself and the way I view myself and my actions, and then wondering how that has an effect on the way I love and respect others. Yeah, totally. I get it. So one more, and then we'll kind of come back to my questions, and then we'll come back to the audience questions because they'll fit later on. You have to edit out um, my awkwardness. No, no way. That's saying. That's so no. part of it. makes it no. real. <laughs> but uh, so, okay, so this is from Nia. What role does respect play in the different relationships in our lives? And so, and how does that play out differently, mm-hmm. if at all? I think it definitely does. I guess, in my opinion relationships are only healthy when there's mutual respect between people so for example with your parents you usually children are expected to respect their parents respect their elders or adult figures in their lives but I think kids struggle with feeling that same respect back from their parents and in some parental child relationships parents while still um, like giving guidance and that kind of thing, res- show respect to their kids. Show, like, I hear what you're saying. I understand what you're saying, but you still need to do this. And some parents approach things from a point of, no, we're not talking about it. Like, you have to do this. And that's when people become spiteful and, and relationships are, I don't know, not as strong. Decline. Decline, sure. <laughs> I think with friendships again the only way that those friendships can be real and loving and healthy is when both parties have respect for each other because otherwise there's going to be somebody who has more power than the other person or is more loving or giving than the other Um, but I think we also see those all the time because people don't think about whether they feel respected by someone that kind of thing And I think, personally, I've had experience with respect and the different levels of it in romantic relationships. I think I found myself feeling like the person that I was in a relationship with didn't respect me. And usually I realize that in hindsight because I was um, in the moment kind of thing and just not blinded by love, but (laughs) that kind of thing. Rosy colored glasses are a thing, right? Yeah. But there have also been relationships where I did feel like I was respected for my individuality, my time, that sort of thing. And that that's what made a strong, healthy relationship versus one where I felt trapped or that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really interesting because respect has 
I think it's universal within all of our relationships, but it, the way that we perceive it through different relationships sometimes changes. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I want to I want to come back uh, to our our song choice. So this first song, I would love for you to tell us just what what is it, who's it by, and why'd you choose it? Yeah. So the first song in my vespers is Thursday by Jess Glynn. And it was interesting finding songs to put in a Vespers because when you're searching for them, you usually can't find what you're looking for and it just becomes really frustrating. And this song was an example of one that I stumbled upon and was so happy when I found it because it had a message that I could relate to and I wanted to use. And I had a title that when searching for something, you wouldn't know what it was about. So the song says over and over again, I won't wear makeup on Thursday because who I am is enough. And that was something that really spoke to me for, um, I guess, two reasons. One is because for me personally, and I think for a lot of other girls or guys out there, makeup is something that is super controversial and is something that I've struggled with because for my freshman through junior year of high school, I wore lots of makeup every day to school because I was not confident in my own skin and what was underneath. And I felt like people were judging me if I wasn't. I had an experience junior year when I chose not to wear makeup to school when a teacher commented on how tired I looked. And other people would say, wow, you're not wearing makeup. And I cried because I it had taken so much courage for me to not wear makeup to school that day. And then people had commented and scared me back into putting it on and I didn't like that who wants to spend 15 minutes every morning putting on makeup but um but I also was lucky enough to have the experience where every summer when I worked at summer camp I wouldn't wear makeup and the kids and the counselors that's how they knew me because it was different than school um so then in between my junior and senior year I stopped wearing makeup of course for summer camp and then senior year, I guess I just stopped caring enough to wear to school. And then I probably wore makeup five days throughout the year. And I felt confident in myself. And I saw a significant change in just that very small but important uh, aspect of my life. So I related to that line, (laughs) although I knew that not everybody would be able to relate to that line. But the second line, because who I am is enough, was something that I thought could speak to everyone who is listening because I feel like we all are striving to be enough if not more you know but it's easy to feel inadequate or feel like we're not enough for a person or for a situation well I think it's interesting too because if you think about how if you extrapolate a little bit and take makeup as a metaphor in that like nine out of ten people struggle with body image Mm -hmm. like that's I'd uh, the source I'm struggling with, but I know that I read that somewhere. Yeah. And that's, that is 90% of people. That's terrifying. And I know, I know I'm one of them. Yeah, and so like, too. I struggle with body image issues. I've grown up struggling with that and mm-hmm. figuring out ways to cover up said issues. And sometimes that's makeup. Sometimes it's something else. And it's one of those things where I think that is way more universal than you're giving yourself credit for. Um, if people take it literally, then maybe not. But if, if yeah. people just take a little bit of a stretch there, I think it's directly applicable to most people who, yeah. who've heard it. I think so too. And I think those lines together speak that. I think another thing 
she kind of mentions in the verses that she's just kind of do going to do what she wants on that day or in her life. And I think that's another thing that I thought could be really powerful, just taking a day to do something for yourself um, instead of for doing it for somebody else, because that was has always been something that I struggled with as well, was doing things just for other people. I talk about it afterwards, but um, doing things just so people will like me or so because I thought that's how you build friendships is by doing things for other people or giving them things, which for some people it is, but for me, I don't think that's how I make friends. But yeah, so that song had a lot of a lot of lines and then an, also an overall feeling that I thought was both introspective as well as hopeful and powerful and determined. And yeah, I thought it was a perfect choice. You know, that actually reminds me of something I think we've talked about before on the podcast, which is this idea of fitting in versus belonging. And this concept of we have to, you mentioned, you talk about conforming. We talk about conforming in order to fit in, in order to feel like we can have our place versus just feeling like we belong. And so what I'm hearing through all of your, your Vespers and through your conversation is that in order to belong, we have to respect ourselves enough to let go of fitting in so that we can just be, so that we can belong. So just what are what's your reaction to that? Does that align with what you're thinking? Yeah, so for me, there have been times in my life where I was in a scenario or a group of people where I belonged in every sense of the word. Like I had a reason to be there. I had ways I was contributing and things that people appreciated me for. But because I didn't have enough self-respect to let go of all the things that I wasn't doing perfectly, I still had these feelings of self-doubt and wondering if people were appreciating me or if I was doing good enough because I wasn't looking at myself for the things that I was doing well or that I was adding or the reasons that people might love me, that kind of thing. Well, I think that's really important because you, so in order to feel like, to feel the love that people may or may not have for us, right? In order to feel that we have to, you're saying that we have to respect ourselves. Yeah before we can even feel the appreciation and love from somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. Um, something that I know I've talked to you about in leaders as my advisor, but I've talked to a lot of people about is love languages and something that I know both of us struggle with is words of affirmation. They're the worst. They're the worst, but they're getting better for me. And that's because in the past, when I would hear somebody say something positive about me or my contributions, I would just discount it in my head and tell myself, not tell them, I would say thank you to them or reflect the compliment back, but I would say they're just saying that to be nice or there's no way they actually think that because of the view that I had on myself and the lack of respect and love. So even in a place where people were telling me that I belonged or that they appreciated me or giving me every sign to believe that, I still didn't feel like I was fitting in or belonging because because I didn't respect myself. And it's still still something that happens. It's not like uh, it's gone oh, away. Yeah. It's, it, it's a practice, <laughs> but, right? Yeah. yeah. But it's definitely in some scenarios has gotten better and I've been able to, I don't know, see myself for the things that other people see in me. Yeah. yeah. That's big. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that kind of <laughs> brings us to 
uh, song number two, and there's a lot to unpack here. So let's just start with the beginning for song two. Like, what is it, and why did you choose it? Yeah, so song number two is This Is Me from The Greatest Showman, and it's a song that a lot of people know. I would say most people on the mountain had probably heard that song before. So when I was searching for songs that had a message and a feeling that I wanted to go with what I wanted to tell people, that was a song that immediately came to mind. But because so many people have heard it and have heard it in whatever realm of their life that they heard it in, I was worried about people hearing it for the lyrics instead of just the familiarity of it and the fact that it's a good song or a good movie, musical, that kind of thing. And I wanted to make sure that everything I said was heard through the eyes of respect and the eyes of self-reflection and things like that. So I was nervous about putting in the original or even there's another version of it that I was thinking about putting in, but it's still... I felt like people would be hearing it for what they already knew of it rather yeah. than the message that I was trying to get across. But I knew that the lyrics were so powerful and so applicable to exactly what I was trying to say. So for a while, I wasn't going to include it. But eventually, I was actually having a conversation with you, Ben, when I was talking about my song choices and you were like, well, why don't you try to do it in a different way? Break it up. Or And I had hoped to maybe sing on my Vespers. So putting those two ideas together, I came to what you guys heard earlier, which was um, singing and breaking it up into little pieces to hopefully get the the message and the power behind all the lyrics across. Yeah, talk about a vulnerable experience. <laughs> like, how, tell, tell me about uh, what it was, uh, tell me about mm. the butterflies in your stomach that you experienced, if at all. Yeah, um, <laughs> for sure. So... There's an aspect of nervousness when I was recording it, which was unparalleled to that when I was sitting down to listen to it. But when I was recording it, I, I wanted to sing on it because music and specifically singing has been a really important thing to me my whole life. And I thought it was something unique that I could share, but also it was a way that I could be vulnerable and put myself out there and hopefully that would some people could relate to that. Um, so when I was recording it, I found myself recording it a million times yeah. over and over again to try to make it perfect. And it wasn't a conscious decision necessarily, but I got to a point where I was like, this is good enough, you know? Yeah. And in hindsight, I was like, wow, <laughs> I'm glad I had that moment because that was what I was trying to get across. But I still found myself trying to make it perfect in the moment, you know? Well, and what a cool experience to like, you are literally living the message exactly. that you are preaching. Yeah. Right? Yeah. How cool is that? It that was, you got to like live through it in the Vespers process. It was awesome. And then it continued when I was sitting on the side of the mountain with some of my best friends, shaking uncontrollably because I was terrified of what people were going to think when they heard my Vespers, when they heard me singing, wondering if they were going to know I was singing or if they were going to criticize me or that kind yeah. of thing. And that was also an interesting thing to experience because I was the whole time just trying to be like, it's okay, like, let it go. Like, you've done what you can. It's good and just enjoy it and let other people enjoy it and stop terrorizing yourself about it. So, yeah. Yeah. 
So I want to go back to something you just said recently, which was that you were trying to perfect it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting because I, I, it's you can't help but sometimes compare Vespers. And so you and Jason, mm-hmm. uh, and in fact, it's another comparison because you're both from Chapel Hill. <laughs> I know you both very well, yeah. right? And it's interesting because you shared with mm-hmm. me that you didn't listen to his before this, mm-hmm. before writing your own. And I think it's so interesting to hear that because there are some striking similarities. One, you both approached it from a lens of this idea of self-respect. Yeah. But you also talked about this concept of perfectionism. And one of the quotes he brings up is, uh, perfectionism is the enemy of good. And you were just saying that perfection was preventing you from getting to the point where you were eventually you were like, no, this is good enough. Yeah. Right? And just tell me about that. Like, what are, what's your reflection on that yeah so well to start I definitely when I knew that you were releasing Jason's episode soon I was like do I want to listen to it like try to get some ideas I was like no like you're just going to be comparing yourself and you might say things that come from him instead of from me so I'm glad that I didn't listen to it but when I did listen to it after Blue Ridge I I had heard it at Blue Ridge the year before but of course I didn't remember specific things that he had said but after Blue when I listened to it, I noticed there were a lot of similarities and there were definitely things that were different in the personal experiences that we shared. But another similarity was Jordan Torrens Vespers. Yeah. There was the day after mine where we both talked about perfectionism. So I think it's interesting, but it's definitely something that I am glad I included, despite the fact that other people had talked about it, because it's something that I've struggled with for a very long time. And I didn't always know I was struggling with it, but... I, for personal reasons and for like pressure that other people have put on me, I've always tried to be perfect with things, whether it be a drawing or a craft that I can't even start because I'm scared that I'm going to mess up or a performance when I'm singing that I beat myself up about afterwards if one little thing didn't go right, despite praise from other people or the fact that most of it was pretty good, you know? But I think it's something that is a result of not having respect for myself in the sense that I'm trying my best, you know? And I think, yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting, though, because it's 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 not that it's... I think it's really easy to kind of label it as, yeah, I, didn't, I don't have enough respect for myself, which is why I'm just trying to aim for this perfection. Mm-hmm. When really it's like, it's not... Having respect for yourself is having the awareness about yourself to set a boundary where this is where it is good enough. And yeah. I'm not going to cross because it's starting to take away from my personal mental health. Yeah. Right? I think that line is not something that I've been able to draw, really. But I definitely understand why that... Um, is something to strive for but I think for me it's the difference has been respecting myself in the sense that like I am trying my best I'm doing the best that I can I made the best decision that I could with the information that I had and this was the outcome and I can't be mad at myself about that you know I I gave it all I had yeah and this was what I had and that's good you know so that's been if not great yeah yeah so that's been uh my perspective on it but it it really has been a recent change or recent progress in being able to see that and feel it you know not just try to tell myself that I'm doing the best I can you know yeah I'm just 
for people listening, I'm just curious, like, why is perfectionism so alluring? Like, why does it bring us in when it leads us in the, inevitably to so much pain, right? Yeah, I think, I think people and myself included can be taught or believe that per- being perfect is like the way that people will love you. I think when we're the best at something, people look up to that and strive for that and see that as the way to being successful and being loved. And I thought that for a really long time. I thought that being the best runner or the best singer was the way that I was going to get my parents' approval or the admiration of the people around me. But honestly, through the experience of being an honor leader, I've learned that the way you connect with people and the way that they learn to love you is through being able to relate about things and not being perfect. It's being genuine and real and trying your best in everything, but it's, there's something special about being able to relate about a struggle with someone and yeah, um, seeing that they've gone through something that you've also gone through. And that's the furthest thing from perfection, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's so that's a really cool thing that you're bringing up because I like, I hadn't thought about it from that perspective of like, who wants to be friends with the person who does everything right? Exactly. Because how can you relate to them? Yeah. Like, that's so interesting. Yeah. And I think it's been an, I don't, I don't know where this thought is going, but I think it's been something that I've seen in my life where people thought that my life was perfect because yeah. they saw the things that I did on the outside that I was blessed enough to be good at or or be able to do that other people want to do and see that as me being perfect and not ever considering that I might not see those same things, you know? Absolutely. And, and it's, I'm not trying to be ungrateful. I think I was given a lot of gifts and I am able to run and I'm able to sing and I am in leaders club and, and I was on the executive board of that. But when people say like oh you have everything like you're doing all these things and I'm on the inside being like but you don't understand like that's not how I feel that kind of thing how do you tell someone that without seeming ungrateful you know or without trying to get their pity or something like that. So I sing also I I graduated with a degree in voice vocal performance and Mm -hmm. so I totally understand this idea of oh my like the there are some people who go to watch you perform and they're like oh my god you're amazing and I'm like it went meanwhile in my head I'm like here are all the things that I messed up on that you just don't have no idea about yeah. because that and so their concept of perfect is different than my concept of you were perfect and I'm like no 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 <laughs> but then somebody like so everybody's this everybody's idea is different and so I think this just brings up for me that I really just want to hesitate when the idea or the word perfect emerges from my vocabulary mm-hmm. and I really want to question it I yeah. think that's what this is bringing up for me yeah I I think I've started to do that more. (laughs) Like, actually, earlier in this Vespers, I mentioned that I thought Thursday was the perfect choice (laughs) for my Vespers. And immediately I was like, no, it wasn't the perfect choice, but it was good, you know? It's just, yeah, it's made me start to question that idea as a whole as well. Because I think we talk about it and we expect it when really... Well, and our words matter, right? Every word that we choose really makes a difference in cultural understanding and how we cultivate the culture that we're living in. Mm -hmm. And we have control over that. 
sometimes it's impassive and sometimes they're out out it's subconscious the words are words yeah. but if we start to become aware we can change it yeah right exactly okay so moving on okay. um thinking about your this idea of you singing you breaking it up you mentioned that we had talked about this so you came to me about a month away from Blue Ridge. <laughs> Don't tell them that. <laughs> a month away. And it was not not really there, right? No. Not uh, where I wanted you it. You had uh, songs that you wanted that you potentially wanted to involve, but your message you were really just struggling with. Mm. And I'm I'm curious through our conversation, like what what was it about that conversation or what came up during that conversation that really like helped you that made it click for you? Yeah, well, I guess the first thing that I realized during that conversation was that I didn't need, I didn't have to do my best words the way that it had almost always been done before in yeah. the sense of the structure, which is typically something along the, along the lines of speak song speak song speak song yeah prayer and that that was what i was trying to fit into wow metaphors all over the place but i was trying to fit that uh -huh. mold and it wasn't happening genuinely it was I, I had things written that i had been told by other people were good that it was fine that it i could play that for people and it would get a good message across, but I was dissatisfied and not sure whether that was me trying to be perfect or whether it just wasn't really me or what I was trying to say. And I guess through our conversation, I felt empowered to try something completely different. And honestly, I, well, when I was writing, it came a lot more naturally, which was cool. And I can talk a little bit about why that was, but once it was written, I was really nervous that I was going to be told that I couldn't do it that way. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I don't think many people other than you heard or uh, knew that I was trying to do something different. So I was also really nervous well, for also, people to hear it. You kept it close to you. you yeah. Like, you were very intentional about <laughs> not letting you, it out. You, Brooke, and my mom were potentially <laughs> the only people who heard it. But yeah, so I was really scared about people not liking a new structure or a new idea or not having three songs yeah. that are in interspersed with speaking. And so I was really nervous about that. And then I was lucky to have gotten a lot of praise afterwards. So I'm glad I did it. But in the moment, I was terrified of trying yeah. something new. I totally get it. Yeah. So you, you after you start singing, mm -hmm. or it might be before, but you start singing and everybody's like, the people who know you were like, oh my God, yeah. Grace is singing. <laughs> and then the people who don't know you were like, is that Grace singing? <laughs> I um, had people that think it was just a cover that I was playing yeah. for a little while. but yeah. um, And so it's just, it's interesting just to kind of hark back to that and what that was like. Because mm. um, I think that presents itself differently on the mountain than it does on a podcast. Yeah. So you talk about learning things from the why. Mm -hmm. And you learn them on the playground. You talk uh, about like, these core character traits that you learned and you provided the examples. And I think that was really interesting because the next line that you sang was about how you learned to be ashamed of all your scars. And that's the line that's the next line in the song. Yeah. So where did you learn that? Yeah. So I guess in the literal sense, the core values have always been presented because I did grow up 
I didn't know why. I grew up going to after school. I grew up on the swim team and then in leaders club. <clears throat> so those four or five core values were always presented to me and we talked about them and I got a lot of perspectives. But what I really mean in the line about learning them on the playground is that is talking about the relationships and the people who were there on the playground with me. Some of them I'm still friends with today. Shout out to Chandler Briggs, who was on the playground with me in third and fourth grade. But going through friendships and relationships on the playground and, and in Leaders Club and those things were where I really learned about how to be friends with people and how to treat others the way you want to be treated and those kinds of things. So that's what I meant by that. But I would also say that those experiences, while I couldn't pick out one or two moments when I learned about hiding scars or the, the hurt, those were definitely the, the moments and the experiences that shaped that idea of putting your best foot forward, that kind of thing, hiding the things that are hurting you or that make you sad or yeah. the scars, the experiences that we've gone through that have been hard just through growing up around people. I think that's where I learned that. Um, yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because I think about it for me, like I, I learned to belong at the Y, but specifically I learned at a resident camp, mm -hmm. Camp Canada, and that's, that was the place that taught me that I can be me yeah. and I will still be loved. So I have another audience question mm -hmm. about the singing <clears throat> process. So um, from underscore Mark Weinstein, uh, <laughs> what were the difficulties around making your own version of this song? Like, what were the difficult, like, what you, like, you had to break it up. I noticed that it was in line with the piano subtext. Like, what, <laughs> like tell me about the editing process. What was it like to break uh, it up? So, I guess the nitty-gritty answer is that it was hard to, <laughs> <laughs> because I, that, that was the whole struggle that I was having with figuring out how I was going to sing in a Vespers, was how to integrate it into the speaking in a way that's not awkward, because... The beginnings and ends of the songs that people put in Vespers are usually awkward. The way yeah. that you start or end a song is usually awkward. There's not an, a good way to start or end it, but there's enough time in the middle to get to a place where you're happy with how it's going and where you're comfortable with the way that the song is incorporated. But with breaking it up, I was like, how am I going to sing and talk and not make it weird and yeah. confusing and get that across. So the way that I kind of resolved that issue was through finding a, an audio track that was a piano cover of the song that I could manipulate enough <laughs> to play throughout the entire thing. So I started uh, the piano cover right after I said I learned how to treat others at the YMCA. And I had to mess around with it a lot. I ended up making it much longer than it originally was. And thankfully, the chords repeat throughout the entire song and I could splice it into something that, uh, if you listen to it on its own, would probably be pretty awkward. But since I had speaking and that's what people were listening Absolutely. to, the song was able to tie together the speaking and the singing and give the singing some backbone. And, and I was really happy with the way it turned out. I was terrified to even try at first and Greg Hall was terrified of how I was going to do this. But... I think it worked out and it just took a lot of messing around with it. Although, Mark, if you want to do something like this, my advice would just be trial and error. If anybody yeah. wanted <laughs> to do something, just mess around with it. Um, and also realizing that for the people who want to do this on their own, try this. Yeah. It's 
it's not just you. You have other people you can lean on and find out who those people are, yeah. right? Uh, you didn't do this alone. No. And I know that my first Vespers and this one from the beginning of this season were very much leaning on multiple people yeah. to give me feedback. And so it's not a one-person journey. Yeah, and also just don't be afraid to try. It's cliche, but I was scared to even try to put something together because I didn't think it was going to work, but I knew that it was what I wanted. So I was scared to even start the process because I wanted it to work and I didn't want to get to a point where it wasn't going to work. So just give it a try. If you have a vision, I like it. Ask people how you can make it happen. So now we arrive at our prayer. Mm. So you talk about how society had pulled us down. We talked about a little bit about this in our conversations already, but like you talk about a lot of these things that you're hoping for. And so how do we practice these things that you're talking about? Like seeing the blessings in our lives as just that, as blessings. Because a lot of times we see the negatives and we have that inner self-talk that is like, oh, oh, I just went through this really tough thing and oh, it was the worst. Or you can say a completely different attitude and say, wow, I just learned a lot from messing up. And so for, for you, how do you see the blessings as blessings? I don't have a perfect answer. I think part of my prayer was like the things that I wish that I yeah. could embody more, the things that I was asking for strength to do because I yeah. don't know exactly how to do it. And I feel like a lot of people could also use some strength or guidance Absolutely. with those things. But it, yeah, it was kind of like a wish for the people around me for myself for our world well i think that's awesome because i want that too and i want that for me because <laughs> yeah. i live into very much what you're describing and mm -hmm. it's something that i know other people experience as well yeah um so in terms of this prayer tell me about what it was like to write a prayer i know this was not your the easiest part for you to write. So just yeah. tell me about what, it, what it's like for that for you. So Blue Ridge Leader School is founded on Christianity and it's something that is still a huge part of the school and the people who work there and the people who attend. And for that reason, we have prayers at the end of our Vespers. So I knew it was something that I had to do. And I say that and it has a negative connotation with having to do something, but I wasn't dreading writing a prayer. I wanted to write a prayer. I just knew that it was going to be a challenge for me because I grew up, I didn't grow up in a church. I didn't grow up with religion as my backbone, as a lot of people did. My parents, I don't really know what they believe in, you know. Um, I had people around me who went to church, but the nature of Chapel Hill and where I live, people don't talk about it that much um, because a lot of people have negative views on religion and um, I definitely didn't have a negative view, but basically throughout my high school life, I've been learning, and I think that's the best way I can describe it, but learning about what there is to believe in, learning about God and the Bible, and going to church services, or just going to Blue Ridge, talking to people about what they believe in, and I am at a point where I don't really know what yeah. I believe in. I think... For a long time, I was afraid to even talk about religion or God because I was afraid of offending people because yeah. I didn't know enough where I felt comfortable talking about it. I didn't know enough enough stories or enough about the practices of people around me where I felt like I could talk to them about it without 
and actually have my own opinions on the subject. But I've, I've been learning. I've been, I've gone through periods where I felt very confident that I believe in God and I can talk to God and, and I'm learning about the stories of the Bible and things like that. But I've also gone through periods where I was like, there's no such thing. And that's what a lot of people around me believe wholeheartedly. So it's very confusing going from a place like Chapel Hill and specifically my cross country team where people don't believe in that kind of thing. Or if they do, they don't talk about it to Blue Ridge where we pray multiple times a day. And me as a 15 year old, not knowing what prayer even meant or how to do it, things like that. But when I was writing my prayer, it was the last thing that I wrote. Um, it's at the end, but it was also because it was the hardest and it was something that I was kind of avoiding. But I remember talking to you in that conversation about my Vespers and deciding to approach it from a standpoint of asking or expressing a wish um, for the world and asking for strength and guidance. And to me, it I didn't know exactly who I was praying to or, or what I was praying to, but I knew that most people would take that as praying to God because that's what I said. I said, dear yeah. God, I said, amen. And other people would be able to take those words and apply it to what they believe in and who they pray to. And other people would see it as a wish or a hope. And yeah. in that way, I think in the end, I was mostly satisfied with <laughs> the prayer and the universal messages that were included yeah. in it. Um, that was something that was important to me coming from a place of not knowing what I believe in and coming from a place where the people around me don't believe in anything or believe in something different than God, I wanted to make sure that everybody could hear that message and not just have to be praying to God from the Christian Bible. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because to me, I I know that you were kind of thinking about I wanted to stay genuine and I want to be real, Mm -hmm. right? But I also need to say, dear God, and amen, Yeah. right? And so I I appreciate how you kind of help us navigate through your thought process because I think that's really helpful and helpful, potentially help people who are not religious to Mm -hmm. listen to Vespers differently as well as if they wanted to write one, write them differently as well for those of us that struggle with the religious concepts right yeah i'm interested there's a a, another instagram question for you Mm -hmm. from one uh caitlin underscore third uh so what's your favorite line from your vespers Ooh, well i think there i like a lot of the lines (laughs) (laughs) i i started with lines and then built around that I had thoughts and ideas that I wanted to get across I really like when I start when I have gone from talking about my personal experiences to then finally talking about talking to the audience yeah um I start to talk about leadership specifically um and there's a line where I talk about a leader knowing their self-worth and how they can change the world. And I think probably one of my favorite lines is 
I don't want to quote it wrong because I pride myself on having my best friends <laughs> memorized, but I say that they will inspire a generation who will see each other as brothers and sisters as equals um, because I think that's a huge part of respect and not just self-respect. But I also like it because I quoted Love Wins by Carrie Underwood. Right. Um, the brothers and sisters portion of it um, is from our Blue Ridge song and for the year. I, I believe you and me are sisters and brothers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that learning the walls and judgments that are put up about other people, the reasons that we don't see each other as brothers and sisters and we see each other for the things that make us different or the things that we judge about another person is because we're not starting from a point of respecting everybody yeah. or not. And I, I think the key word here, and I think sometimes respect can be used almost interchangeably with acceptance is accepting other people and where they come from. And the fact that we're all here for the same reasons and that, that is very closely tied to respecting others. Um, and that the way we're going to, hold hands as brothers and sisters is by remembering that we're all here for love and happiness and the same human desires and needs and that if you take away everything else that's why we're equal and that's yeah. why we all deserve the same equal rights and we all yeah. deserve respect is because we are all here striving for the same things at the end of the day and, and trying our best I think that's so interesting because the way you said it just now helps it click for me more than it did when we were talking about the riddle scale. You said if you interchange accept and respect, right? And we also have talked about how respect is the foundation, right? Mm -hmm. And so once we have gotten to acceptance, that is the foundation for us to move towards support, ad admiration, and eventually nurturance, mm -hmm. right? And I think that just really that just clicked for me because yeah. in order to nurture in order to love in order to really because uh, like love is only something that grows when between two people when we are both nurturing it and so that nurturance only comes after we have that foundation of acceptance yeah right i think there were a lot of moments in my vespers where i was really saying what i feel and what i mean i was hoping that the whole thing would reflect how I feel. But in that line specifically, I was able to say something that's underlying in my whole life. You know, yeah. it's that like outwards of me, just everything around me, I think would be better if we all saw each other that way and we were able to see each other as equal. You're here. Um, and I liked getting to slip that one in and still yeah. tie it into respect. No, it, it I did. I wasn't slipping it in. It was something that came naturally when I was talking about everything else. But yeah, and I liked getting to tie it into our song for the week because yeah. if you haven't heard it, "Love Wins" by Carrie Underwood. Great song. Yeah, and great this is something that we talked about. We talked about this during Drew's interview as well around how a lot of his vespers has a through line of the theme of "Love Wins" yeah. and similar to yours. Yeah, I I think I think it was Greg. Paul, who pointed out that all of ours did. Yeah, I'm excited to see that. <laughs> all of ours mentioned love at some point, and I think the reason is what I mentioned earlier, that that's what we are all universally able to relate to, is the yeah. 
search for love and and that is why it was episode one of season one of this podcast <laughs> love yep. is the foundation right I love, love is love. everything I love love <laughs> absolutely yeah awesome well Grace I am so grateful for our time together and I'm grateful that you were willing to share this with the world because yeah. I think that a lot of people are going to feel very blessed to have had this opportunity to hear your voice literally and <laughs> uh, to hear your words as well. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity, Ben. You're so welcome. <laughs> All right. That's the wrap. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Vespers Project. Remember, shoot us a review on iTunes if you haven't yet. Go ahead, and if you have a Vespers ready to go, send us your Vespers. Remember, you can connect with us by emailing thevespersproject at gmail.com. We hope to hear from you soon, and we look forward to spending time with you next episode. Beautiful. Oh, I, I just want.